Top down, bottoms up, that's the way we like to learn. In this info-packed episode, Grace is giving an overview of the two different processing styles, how they both play out in the classroom and workplace, why bottom-up processing leads to so much rumination and overwhelm for autistic people, and some ways to accommodate yourself and others depending on your brain hole type. Whether you're a big-picture thinker or you're all about the details, we'll help you figure out your processing style and how to best support it so you can finally finish that fifth-grade animal report you've been putting off for so long, among other things. They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them, that's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, if you forgot why you came in this room or you're hypersensitive to touch then put on your seamless socks and come join our little flock bitches stimming together we're weirds of a feather weirds of a All right, how are you feeling? Are you ready to start? <gasps> ready to rock? Oh, well, we don't have a warm-up question for this episode. I have one. I just I don't mean, like to write them down because I don't want you to oh, think you about it. My my raw reaction? Yeah, I like raw. it raw and unfiltered. WWE raw. Yeah. But first, let's say welcome to Words of a Feather, an ADHD-adjacent podcast. I'm your host, Grace Bore. I'm your host, Kristen Stanhope. Nice. All right. Here's my warm-up question. Okay. I'm Do ready. you remember the doodle bear, and did you hate it? Do I remember the doodle bear? Yeah. Was this a Do toy? you remember the doodle bear? I do not. It was like a 90s toy. It was like a stuffed bear. I mm-hmm. think they were often made of like corduroy. It was like a teddy bear, mm-hmm. but it came with a pen, and you could like write all over it, and then you could wash it, and it was essentially like a tattoo bear. Oh. And you could, like, draw on it. Of course, Jake and Elena had it because they had every cool toy. Yeah, they had. Literally every cool toy I know about from the 90s is because Jake and Elena had it. But um, you could draw on it and write on it as much as you wanted with this marker. There were a lot of cool toys in the 90s where you could, like, draw on. That's still, like, a thing. You can draw on your toys. I mean, you can draw on any toy I if you know, want to. I know, but, like, drawable toys. Like, or, like, you could, like, you know, stain your Barbie's hair with, like, markers or something like that like you mm. could buy because i remember i think i got like a barbie thing where you could like dye your hair with i don't know washable markers mm. that's um, fun or like maybe it was like a my little pony thing my little pony but i remember never pony. using it because i was always if i was like well what if i don't want this on forever the toy is ruined so i'll save it for when i make up my mind of what i really want to do with it and then I never... Now at 33, you still haven't decided? Yeah. <laughs> this is why I'll never have a tattoo. I can't decide on, like, what I would get and where I would put it. And then I'm I'm so terrified of, like, not being happy with it. Mm. Then you never make a decision. Yeah. Decision paralysis. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that was me with all my toys that you were supposed to, like, do stuff with. Well, I guess I was thinking specifically the doodle bear, it reminded me of how you hated when people would write things on their hands. Yeah, we I, and, and also on their clothes, it still upsets me. Sometimes 
uh, sometimes. You think about my genes that I wrote all the lyrics yeah, on, you get they upset. really get upset. Or sometimes I work with this particular surgeon who shall remain nameless, who likes to occasionally write like phone numbers and, and measurements down on his scrub pants instead of getting a piece of paper um, and a pen. That's crazy. Isn't that great? There's pens and paper everywhere. Every the hot, Ask the nurse. Ask anyone. Anyone has a pen and paper. That's how I feel about you just swallowing your gum if you can't immediately find a way to throw it <laughs> out. I'm like, just wait three just seconds. See. You'll be by a trash can. <laughs> and, he, and he'll just get like a, unnecessary. a marker that you're like a skin marker. You're supposed to like mark the patient so we operate on the right leg mm. or the correct leg. Not the, not always the right not leg. Not always the right. Sometimes <laughs> it's the left. Um, but like... And and he'll just write it down. He's like, I got it. And now he's walking around the rest of the day with like someone's measurements on. Like obviously, yeah, I would hate that. And and I'm just like, that's wrong. <laughs> and I and I have to keep it to myself. But it really bothers me. That I would I would never. Difficult. Don't give me a doodle bear. I'm gonna really, give you a doodle bear. Don't give me a doodle bear. I'll 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 never doodle on it. It'll be a doodle free bear. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that doodle was doodle free. Doodle free. That was my warm-up question. No, oh, well. I got a long-ass episode. So you do. Well, you didn't answer the question about yourself. Did you? Do you? Would you doodle on your doodle bear? I would doodle on my doodle bear because you can wash it off and start again. I guess that's kind of nice. It's like it's like this is why I get upset with stickers because they're permanent. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have such a problem with stickers because they're permanent. I like I like a good sticker, but then like, what if you're on? What if you want like? What happens when you use the sticker? Now you've committed. Yeah, now you've used your sticker as now, opposed to it right. just sitting there unused. Now you've put it to good use. I think it just speaks to a different uh, general attitude. What about if I want to use it else elsewhere? Like you can't live your life worried about regrets, and I think that's what the sticker doodle bear dilemma yeah. is teaching us. Yeah, you know? I think sometimes you just got to make a decision, even if it's the wrong one. At least you've made a decision. The worst decision is indecision. My yeah. great surgeon told me that once, and it is very true. I agree. All right. Anyway. Let's get into those <laughs> okay. little accomplishments. Right. Little accomplishments, but big in our hearts. All right, Chris. What yeah. did you accomplish this week? I, I'm proud of myself. I made dinner. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, you did. And I am not known... For my cooking. You're specifically known for the opposite. Yeah, for the opposite of burning things. Yeah. Um what'd you make? I made I made pasta and, and I know pasta's easy, but it was it was elaborate, more elaborate than usual. And I bought it's I've learned it on TikTok. It's like very similar to that like viral feta pasta. Mm. But I'm not the biggest fan of feta and neither is Christopher. So it was okay. with that like borson. Garlicky, chivey cheese, and then you put the t- you put the tomatoes in. You put the cheese in the middle. You put it in the oven with some herbs and spices and um, olive oil, and you roast it a little bit while you cook your pasta. I cut mm. up some sausages, some vegetarian sausages. What um, is a vegetarian sausage? I don't know what it's made out of, and I don't want to know. Yeah, you should know. I feel like I just said tofu. Yeah, I think it's like a tofu, or it might be like a tempeh kind of thing, mm. but I think it's soy. But um, I got some vegetarian sausages because we're trying to have a more uh, high-fiber diet because someone needs high-fiber in their diet. It's not me. Turns out sausage has got it. Vegetarian sausage, at least. And so 
So I did that. I made the pasta. I made I cooked up the sausages. And then once the tomatoes are kind of roasted, you take it out and the cheese is nice and melty and you Ooh. you like smash it up into a sauce. And then I have parsley that I picked from my garden and then I air dried. Wow. And I know. This Look is at I know. It's involved. I'm very Chef proud of myself. Santa over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of myself because it was it was involved. I used three different pans, Holy pots and pans. Shit. And um Did you and, put them in the dishwasher after? I did not. I left them in the sink to soak overnight. Nice. nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was pretty. And, and you know what? It was very tasty. There you go. It was very tasty. Christopher went back for seconds, which I'm pretty impressed with because he doesn't really like tomatoes. Um, mm. But he liked those tomatoes. Hell yeah. How do you like those yeah, tomatoes, Yeah, how do you like those tomatoes? Yeah, he I liked them. pretty impressed with myself. I was very, I was, I was excited. It was a win. I might have to make it again. Yeah, keep it in your rotation. Yeah. It was it one. was nice. It was easy, and it worked. Everybody's happy. Oh, I put some spinach in there too. Increase oh that fiber, gosh. baby. Look at you. I know. I know. Good job. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of myself. Uh, that's my little push. Nice, Grace. Yeah. What's your little push? I made a phone call. Get out. I called the insurance company. Oh, that's the worst. I know, and I was so anxious about it. it. And I like tried to call last week, and they were like. All of our representatives are busy and you can leave uh, a call back. You know, it was wait time is 120 minutes. <laughs> like, fucking no. And that's tomorrow. I know. <laughs> and so they they said I could leave like a, a callback number yeah. and they would call me back on. Yeah, they won't. They did call me back. Oh, they, they said did. on Tuesday at 8 a.m. Like, oh, great. Oh, now great. I got to be anxious about this for days. Right. And I was. But I calmed myself down. I did some tapping on it. Oh, good. And I reminded myself. Whether this is true or not, they're here to help you. <laughs> and they just want to get this sorted sure. out just like you do. And they did. And we got it sorted out. Hey. And it took like six minutes. Oh, my God. So. That's so great. Yeah. I'm I was, so proud of you. I was proud of myself for doing the phone call, doing the fucking follow-up phone call after oh, I already got myself worst. all worked up to make the phone call. And then the wait time was too long. Yeah. I had to. That's the worst. Right? It's like, I, I, it's the problem where you go to fix the problem and then. The solution doesn't happen. You're like, right. well, what's, why do I even try? And then you have to follow up. There's no following up. Yeah. It's but I did follow happen. up because they forced me to because they made me pick a time and they called me. And oh, I did it. And I was great. anxious, but I did it anyways. And I was proud of myself hey. for tapping, you know? Yeah. And recognizing that my body feels very anxious. I used my tapping solution app. I think I did the anxious one, the anxiety one, and I felt much better. Got your tap shoes on. Yep. I did a little tap, tapped it out. Feel yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. It really helped. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad Thanks. you uh, just oh. had to like, you know, um, put loose it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big girl. Dance out your feelings. Yeah. And I did. All right. That's great. Well, we got a meaty episode. This meat. episode. It is the meat. It is the meat. And what is that meat? <laughs> We're talking about top-down versus bottom-up thinking. Top-down, bottom-up. That's the way we like to learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it appropriate for the children. Yeah. <laughs> I Kids bop version. Yeah. <laughs> so I have been, like, offhandedly mentioning bottom-up thinking for a long time on this podcast. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Nah. Yeah, that, like, that's a song, right? Is this a bottoms yeah. up, bottom. Yeah. Get yep. your bottoms up. Yeah, get your bottoms <laughs> yeah. up. You can bet your bottom dollar. Yep. 
All right. Lots, Sorry, lots I had of to, different I had to, songs we could make out of this. Yep. And I, I think get, we will. <laughs> you're going to keep doing this all episode. Yep. And that's just something I have to live with. Okay. Same. Yep. <laughs> we'll suffer through it together. <laughs> so I've been mentioning bottom-up thinking a lot, and I thought it was time I finally did a full episode on it so we could learn what it is. And then when I mention it, you guys will have this as a reference point. Woo-woo. So I got a lot of my information from this article titled What is Bottom-Up Thinking in Autism by Erica Sanborn on AutisticPhD.com. And she starts her article with the regular way academic work is done from middle school writing projects right on through the PhD dissertation prospectus. She uses a lot of big words. Prospectus. Yeah. I don't Sounds like someone with a PhD would know what that meant. Yes, very (laughs) PhD of her. Yeah. um, Is exceedingly top-down oriented, which supports the way autistic people think, which means that autistics are likely to do a lot more labor for the same end result. And this is really like the main reason why I wanted to talk about this, because they're just two different ways of your brain processing information. It's not something you're consciously choosing to do. It's literally how your brain takes in Mm. and categorizes information and processes it but because allistic people which are non-autistic people which ADHDers fall into that category as well so that means the majority of brains are top-down processors okay. with autism you have bottom-up processors which looks a lot different and like she said it means that we often have to do a lot more work just to kind of fit into this top-down world yes are all non Allistics bottoms up. Are all non-allistics bottom, bottom up thinkers? Yeah, I think you're either top down or bottoms bottom up. Can you be a bottoms up allistic <laughs> and um, a top down autistic? So the research is kind of muddled on this. I think what I found was that uh, Like, like they can't conclusively say, like, every single person who's autistic has bottom-up processing, but it kind of, like, is what a big part of, like, what autism is. So I can't imagine having bottom-up processing and not being autistic because, like, Mm. it kind of is a big chunk of what truly autism is. It's, like, how your brain processes information. Um, But as far as, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like, where, you know, say, let's say someone who's schizophrenic example would fall into that i'm not sure but essentially Uh, there's only two ways of taking in information so you're one or the other okay and 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 so mostly from from for most people allistics are top down yes non-allistics are bottoms up yep so it's pretty much like if you're autistic you're going to have this bottom up thinking okay yeah got it All right, so let me give you a little simplified explanation of what they are, and then we'll kind of move into them. Sure. So so top-down thinking, that's what allistics do, is I create the big picture first, and then I fill in the details as I go. I hate that. Yes. So this is a deductive approach, and it's how most allistic brains approach a problem. So they kind of come up, they can see the big picture, and then... From that big picture, then they fill in all the little details to, like, support this idea or whatever. Bottom-up thinking is I collect information and detail I believe to be related, and then later I sort it into a meaningful big picture. So this is an inductive approach, and this is how most, if not all, autistic brains approach a problem. So we have a really hard time, like we talked about seeing the 
forest through the trees. We have a really hard time seeing that big picture until we've gathered enough little details to like build up to it. Picture it like a pyramid, you know, Yeah. where we have to build all the little details to get to the top big picture. We're building the bricks before we're putting the building together. Yes, we don't have the plan. We're just like building. And then it's like, oh, wow, that turned into a building. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas holistics would like see the concept of I want this to eventually be this exact type of building. Here's my plan. And then I will figure out the details of how to build it. Right. But what if you're deep? I just my the problem. So in theory, yeah, that's sure. That's great. That's a great way to make a building. But in theory, what if your big plan, like the details don't work out to the big plan? Well, that's part of the problem. So there's kind of strengths and weaknesses to both types of approach. And I will tell you what they are. Okay. But yes, you are what you are identifying, I do think, is a big problem with that top down approach. And I think it leads to a lot of holistic people making like assumptions about things. Right. I had a really I I, so we kind of talked about this before we started recording. But when I was writing the imposter syndrome episode, I kind of had like a mental moment. Um, <laughs> mental moment. <laughs> a mental moment. I just really got frustrated because I think I was trying to approach it as like a top down. Mm. But uh, the more I researched, the more I realized my research wasn't aligning with not only my research, but my 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 feels about the topic weren't really a- aligning with like my original outline of mm. the episode. So I kind of I got lost. In the weeds, I guess. Lost, lost in, in the, the trees. Sauce. Lost, lost in the, in the trees. Uh, yeah, lost. I got lost. <laughs> you and were so lost. I was lost, and I was really frustrated trying to write that. I'm glad. Mm. I, we, I mean, we got over it. We wrote it. It was great. It was great. Good. Um, but I got really frustrated because it was it, what I was. My plan was not my, like, my, my blueprint was mm. not. The details weren't detailing into my blueprint plan. And I think that is a big problem for us is that because we want to constantly collect, there's always more information that can be gathered. So I think we are way less efficient overall because there's always more detail that could be gathered and there could be detail, yeah, that doesn't fit right in with this summary that we think we have to make, you know, this outline where it's like, okay, well, what if I go down this offshoot and then now I'm getting all these details over here? How does that fit into my overall outline? And I get really overwhelmed by that too, where I'm like, I don't, I can't summarize things. I don't know. All the details are important. I don't right. know how to summarize something into one big like chunk. Unless I, just, I know every single detail ever. Yes. And that's how I feel yep. like when when like studying for PA school and, and stuff, I, I would study like all of the details and then I'd finally put it together in my head to get the overarching picture mm. first. Yeah. So that would be bottom up thinking. Yeah. Okay. Well, shoot. So I'm going to give some examples of like how that plays out and why it's so hard for us when the expectation is that you have top-down thinking. Like, most of school is top-down thinking. And it's one of the reasons why we have such a hard time in school, because mm. it's not the information isn't being taught to us in the way that we really need. Right. All right. So, from dictionary.com, kind of give me some definitions of this deductive reasoning versus inductive reasoning. Ooh, so, okay. deductive reasoning is top-down. It involves starting from a set of general premise premises and then drawing a specific conclusion that contains no more information than the premises themselves. No, oh, that's that's not the way. We, right. No. So they just make this conclusion and everything. Like, this is all the information you could ever know. Here's a big conclusion of it. Yes. So the scientific method can be described as deductive. You're first you first formulate a hypothesis, which is an educated guess based on general premises. 
Which, Based on shit you don't know. Yes. And it says that sometimes it can be formed by inductive methods. Like you can kind of do a combination where you start with the inductive reasoning. You collect all the little details. You make a hypothesis. Ah. You make like a general theory. And okay. then from there you work like back down. That could be done. Bottom but, up then top down. Yeah. And I think that would be the most effective way to do it. Yeah. But most people, it's just one or the other. Like scientific method. You Yeah. I guess you have like a little bit of information and you kind of make this hypothesis. and then. I could see, that, you know, I think the problem is then you try to, like, make the information fit your hypothesis. Yeah. And that seems yeah, problematic. That seems really problematic. Whereas, like, with bottom-up processing, you could always, like, prove yourself wrong because, you know, you find new information and you're always, like, kind of changing that hypothesis. Right. Well, I guess technically you can prove your hypothesis wrong, but if you only do, it's like... I think it gives you a lot of biases, though. Right. I think if you're only looking for information, it's like when you Google something and you're only looking at, like, the articles that support your issue, like the people who are anti-vaxxers. There's, like, one or two articles by a a discredited scientist, and those Mm. are the only two ones that they quote. Yeah. Rather than the articles upon articles upon articles of research showing that vaccines are great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It can... Yeah, I think it just does leave you open to having those biases and trying to kind of find information that fits that hypothesis that you've already made. You've already come to the conclusion and now you're like working backwards. Yeah, not all the time, but like I feel like the the way that we're describing it right now most certainly does. Yeah. All right. So you make your hypothesis, an an educated guess based on general premises. Then you test the hypothesis with an experiment. Based on the results of the experiment, you can make a specific conclusion as to the accuracy of your hypothesis. So inductive reasoning, on the other hand, is used to describe reasoning that involves using specific observations, such as observed patterns, to make a general conclusion. Induction starts with a set of premises based mainly on on experience or experimental evidence. It uses those premises to generalize a conclusion. So there can be flaws with both of these methods for reasoning. While inductive reasoning can be useful, it is prone to being flawed. That's because conclusions drawn using induction go beyond the information contained in the premises, a.k.a. you're like assuming a conclusion based on all the details that you've collected. And you're kind of for the autistic brain, we have a lot of pattern recognition. You're using pattern recognition to put it all together. So like for an example, Let's say you go to a cafe every day for a month, and every day the same person comes in at exactly 11 a.m. and orders a cappuccino. A general conclusion drawn from these premises could be that this person always comes to the cafe at the same time and orders the same thing. An inductive argument may be highly probable, but even if all the observations are accurate, it can lead to incorrect conclusions. So essentially, you can build up all these details, you can build up the evidence, you can use pattern recognition, you can say, all right, every single day I see this person come in and order the same thing at exactly 11. And you could come to the conclusion that, okay, this person always only comes in at 11 and always only orders cappuccino Mm because that's what I've built with all my little details. But that is, can, you know, exclude those experiences that you are not having. You know, you're are you there every day at 11 exactly. o'clock, right? Exactly. Or is it maybe like you're there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that person's there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, they're off. Exactly. So maybe in contrast, deductive reasoning would be like maybe you see this person come in a couple times at 11 and order the same thing. You make the hypothesis 
that they mm-hmm. do, and then you look for evidence to see if you can support that theory. Make sure it's the same guy. Maybe he's got a twin. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you didn't think of that, did you? Yep. Could be a twin. Could be a twin. Or just a doppelganger of some sort. You got to <laughs> check your facts. You're right. So this inductive reasoning essentially looks like I have observed a phenomenon. I don't know what's up. Let's get some data and we'll go from there to make sense of it. So, you know, in the example of like you would make the conclusion that this person always comes in and orders the same thing. I feel like with the autistic brain, you wouldn't come to that conclusion. You would be like, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep acquiring more data because it seems like that's what's going on. But I feel like I need more data. And I feel like you'll just always be searching for more and more data before you can come to the conclusion, you know? Like, I don't think the autistic... could always ask them. Be like, hey, do you come in every day at 11? That's true. Do you always get a cappuccino? Beat the system. Gotta get those facts. Yep. Research. Research. All right. So then deductive reasoning, it can also go wrong when you start with an incorrect premise. So an example of deductive reasoning is chickens are birds. All birds lay eggs. Therefore, chickens lay eggs. But if you were to start with a false premise, it would look like all animals that lay eggs are birds. Snakes lay eggs. Therefore, snakes are birds. Ah, and what about the platypus? What about it? We. <laughs> so you're kind of starting with this false premise, which can also happen really easily, where you make an assumption about something based on like your past ideas or experiences. Mm. You make this general conclusion, and that can lead you to the wrong details. Yeah. So this one essentially looks like, you know, look, we know some stuff already. Let's come up with a theory-based hypothesis and then test it. As opposed to let's get a bunch of details and then come up with a hypothesis. So that's like a general overview of deductive versus inductive reasoning. And now I want to talk about how it applies specifically to autism. Yeah. So back to Erica Sanborn's article, she says, It's common for autistics to be bottom-up thinkers collecting information, including adjacent sensory detail, that will need to be filtered out later before a cohesive, shareable story emerges. Mm -hmm. So we are taking in so much information and don't want to leave that sensory detail aspect out of it. Because that means we're also bringing in all the sensory information. And it's like we're just gathering info and info and info. And, and then, then you have to process it. Yes. Sort and that it. Takes filter up, it. File it away. Yep. That takes up so much energy and room in our brains. And I feel like that I really see. ties into that whole, like, you know, the autistic brain is processing 42% more information than the holistic um, brain. Like, that's a big part of it is that we're not really bringing information in in chunks We're bringing it in as every individual little detail, and then we're trying to, like, chunk it in our brains. Chunk it. So we have to, like, build it all up and then, like, whittle it down. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, coming up with a, you know, general game plan and then then building it up to be exactly to fit, you know, build it up to exactly fit that game plan, you know? You're not gathering all this additional Yeah, you got to get all the files and then you got to sort them. Yeah, as opposed to just, like, coming up with a game plan of what files you need and then going out and acquiring them. Yeah. And I think with that way, yes, it's more efficient, but there's also stuff that maybe you haven't thought of that you're going to miss if you are a top-down processor, you know? Mm-hmm. You, can come up with this co- you can come up with this, like, hypothesis all you want, but if you haven't thought of, like, what other details could be included in there, you're not going to go looking for them. So the autistic brain brings all those details to the table for better or worse. So 
our conclusions are often a lot more detailed and a lot more supported from the bottom, but they take us a lot longer to, like, come up with. Mm. Which is overwhelming. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed just, like, hearing about it. Right? So bottom-up thinkers have an associative thought process and tend to and tend to take in much more sensory information. This is generally innovative, but tends to not be as efficient. The way it can play out and what gets us caught up is when it becomes, I must collect every single piece of data available before I can make sense of it or draw a conclusion, and we, like, overwhelm ourselves. Mm. It's so overwhelming. (laughs) Top-down thinkers, on the other hand, have a linear thought process. This is generally efficient, but tends to not be as innovative. I've got an analogy. Yeah. I work with surgeons. Yeah. Some surgeons definitely fit this neurodivergent criteria. Mm. Some surgeons are very much top-down thinkers. When you're working up a patient, sometimes our bottom-up surgeons, they will collect every single bit of information that's possible. They're diagnosing them with a weird, like, rheumatoid disorder. They're getting all of the consults. They're getting cardiology involved they're getting you know medicine and endocrine and immunology involved Mm. they're getting all this information and it it, does it delay things yes does it is it frustrating because you're like this person just needs surgery let's just do the surgery yes is this person has the most comprehensive workup and plan absolutely yeah that's the thing that's the thing sometimes sometimes during that whole process, we're almost getting lost in all mm, this information. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you hear, like, the report from cardiology? Did you hear the report from this person? Did you see these test results? Did you see? In the end, we just need to look at the scans and figure out a surgical plan for this person. Yep. Sometimes the workup is needed. Sometimes that's where our top up. We do have, like, meetings about this, and it's nice to get the meeting of the minds. And sometimes our, our top down surgeons will chime in and just say hey you might be doing too much mm. you know remember you're you're a surgeon you're not you know a, a medical doctor, doctor house yeah. yeah you're not a yeah. researcher right exactly <laughs> you know and then and sometimes we have our top down surgeons say this is what i would like to do and then you have our bottom up thinkers being like well did you think of this mm. did you do this did you try this and they're like holy moly changes the surgical plan it's nice to have both types of thinkers on the same team. It works out really well. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the best team is a combination because you do need, like, we can get very lost in the sauce yeah. where it feels impossible to get started because it's like you've, before you can start, you feel like you have to collect every single piece of information yes. that exists. This is exactly what this surgeon it's does. It's not realistic. Like, Come on. Yes. Get it together. And you need someone do to just be like, let's cut through. Right. Let's find the summary of all of this information and figure out what needs to be that done. That being said, every time I have a complicated person, I'm going to that guy. Mm. So I'm like, hey. Yeah, exactly. Here's something weird. And you see his eyes will light up and his, you know, his like pupils will dilate. And-, and I think that's where like the doctor house type is really, you know, comes into play. And that's their strength is you need someone who's going to go through every single little detail and build up to a conclusion instead of just making an assumption of what you think is going on. Yes. And then you're only looking at the symptoms right. that fall in line with your assumption. Right, which sometimes, that's all you need. Yeah. Sometimes you need to go, yeah, you, it's nice to have both, is what I'm saying. It's yeah, good to have I both. I agree. And we talk a lot about autism and asking questions, like with you, for example, where the detailed questions yeah, that you ask are I like, know. 
Jesus Christ crossing. Know, it doesn't do. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this detail doesn't matter. But I feel like for you, that really, that bottom really up does thinking, matter. yeah, leads to you asking and all I, these little details. I am very stubborn. And even yes. if it doesn't matter, it truly doesn't matter. To me, it matters because I want it to matter. Yeah. And that's where we get off topic. Yeah. But it's like your brain gets stuck on going down that rabbit hole. And it's like you can't stop yourself from like going and like processing all those little details. This is the lobster pot all over again. <laughs> it's a friggin' Why lobster pot. Why were in a lobster pot together? Why would she Photoshop herself into a lobster pot? She like did it. That? I know. <laughs> but. But. Wouldn't it be weird if she did? It would be so weird. <laughs> all right. So back to. <laughs> Um, back to Erica's article, she says, does it take longer for bottom-up thinkers to solve a puzzle? Sometimes. Can they solve more complex puzzles and find patterns with elegant sophistication? Sometimes. One type of thinking is not inherently better than the other. Diverse teams are truly superior to those made up of just one type of thinker. I agree. But there are indeed pros and cons of each type of thinking. What's important to keep in mind is that people cannot change their fundamental learning or processing method. Erica says, I don't like phrases like learning style, learning preference, or preferred learning method, because these suggest we have options that we do not have. These, these are not preferred learning methods or styles. This top-down versus bottom-up approach to learning refers to how our brains acquire new information. Hmm. Which I thought was really important to point out because yeah. I, you know, working in the school system, we would talk about like preferred learning styles or whatever. Yeah. And I, that's so important to be like, it's you, it's not a choice you can consciously make. It's literally like how your brain is perceiving information. Yeah. And, and I, I agree that it's good to have a diverse team because I think, you know, one will make up for the other and vice versa. Yes. But I can definitely see slash have experienced times where... Some team members get frustrated with the other mm, team member because yeah. their brain is different and learns different than the other brain. And brain one can't understand how brain two thinks yep. or why what they're thinking is important. And sometimes you're like, come on. And then you have to take a moment and say, this is how their brain is. Yeah, I think they're both valuable. But I do think, A, the problem comes when we don't realize what's going on, where one person's top down and the other person's bottom up it's like yeah you just can't understand why they're talking about these unnecessary details because you don't understand a brain that works in that way and also the world for the most part is geared towards bottom down thinkers like that's how the standard bottom. way of thinking i mean top, top down top oh, down oh we're getting confused now uh, top top down, down. bottoms up that's the way we like to learn <laughs> yay <laughs> Yeah, the world in general is geared towards top-down thinking, and that's, like, just the standard way of approaching problems. And Gotta so, have those bottoms. Yeah. And so the if power you're... power bottoms of the learning world. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So if you're a power bottom up, then people are not going to be understanding of the way that you do things. They're going to find you annoying, I feel like. They find us very annoying if they don't understand what's going on. Because really, I mean, I get it. It's like... Why are you talking about all these little details? Let's just move on Let's with the show. Go. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it's the like details the details important. matter. So in Erica's article, she gave a really great example from her own life that really resonated with me. So I wanted to share it because I think it's just like really helpful for contextualizing how these two different approaches work and why it can be so cumbersome to have a bottom up approach when the world expects you to use top down. So for the most part in schools, 
the all the assignments are designed with this top down processing in mind. So she says, when I was in the so-called talented and gifted program oh, in sixth one grade, of those. yep, one of those. Should have been with the dumb kids in Miss Getchell's class. No. <laughs> they made us do a lot of writing. This was in 1985, and it was taught exclusively, assuming that all of us followed a top-down learning process. For our first task, we were told to pick a topic to learn about. Then we had to outline a paper in which we'd later, in which we'd later share what we'd learned about our topic. This is where it became tricky. How can I outline what I'm going to learn before I learn it? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with her. That's a, that's a fair question. Like, I don't know. Truly, like, how do you make an outline I guess, I mean, if you don't know the information? Yeah. Yeah. You got to learn about it first. Yeah. and like, I mean, if you truly know nothing, I mean, it's, it sounds like you need those general premises, but that's how people mess up the fucking thing. And if you're a bottom-up processor, you don't really understand the general premises like even if i tried to make a general outline of what a paper on dolphins would be about it's like i i mean i guess i could just come up with general ideas of what i would Where talk about with animals yeah eat, but, that would be with... but like i feel like that's way too general and then i'm going to get into the details and i'm like well there's way more categories than just this i want to get more specific so it just feels like kind of a waste of time to try to come up with an outline before i have all the details because i feel like my outline's going to change so she said, they are using a top-down processing approach, as is the teacher and the majority of folks who can do these tasks without struggling. Here's what I did in the sixth grade. I asked the teacher if I could learn about the dolphins first. She insisted that I could not do that. What? Because completing this outline step was critical to my success in life. And I remember doing uh, this in school. I remember Sixth grade? I don't think so. I remember having <laughs> this problem in school where you're supposed to make an outline of what your paper is going to be like and then write it. And I remember always being so overwhelmed because I had all these details in my brain. I'm like, I can't. It's like summarizing. I can't make a fucking outline. I just need to word vomit onto the page, then organize all my thoughts yeah. that I've word vomited, and Actually, then I'll build an outline. Someone taught me, I think this was in high school because I was having such a hard time organizing. They said, put your thought on a note card. Mm. And then you have all these note cards you blame all out on I the have floor. A thousand note cards. Well, yeah, this was, you know, <laughs> when this, I don't know, it must have been in middle school or something. So, it, you know, in theory, you don't have a thousand note cards, but put all your thoughts or like, you know, in, and then you categorize them, organize them, and then you can make your outline from there. And basically, your paper's written for you. Mm. It even, takes so much work. Even I have note that, cards everywhere. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, even if we can do it like that, it takes us so much extra work that top-down processors are not having just to do. Just make an outline. Yeah, just like know how to do an outline. Know how to do it. Just Back. intuit what the outline is. Yeah. yeah. So she said she insisted that I could not do that where she learns about the dolphins first because completing this outline step was critical to my success in life. Fuck off. Find That's a little dramatic. Yeah. It's sixth grade. I know. Finding this utterly nonsensical, what I ended up doing was going out and learning about the dolphins in secret. What a rebel. This is so autistic. <laughs> Memorize Don't tell anybody I'm learning about dolphins. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Memorizing all the things and then going into the little closet armed with my memorized facts, which I could then sort into an outline performatively for the teacher. Performatively is, is a big point there. Crazy. Yeah. Where she just had to pretend that she was doing it like everyone else, but really she had to do all this back work 
that she had to keep secret, <laughs> which is crazy. She said, then she smiled and said, I was ready to begin writing the dolphin paper, which I'd already written so that I could produce the outline she was expecting. <laughs> In other words, I basically had to write the whole paper first. There is no way I could have written that outline first, neither then nor now. Writing the outline last is actually useful as it is a good editing step to make sure I have filtered out the extra. As a bottom-up thinker, I tend to scoop up too much input and often need to filter out the extraneous content. But that is definitely not the outline the teacher valued. And I so relate to that, and that's how I have to write everything. I mean, even this paper, for example. Yeah. I literally, this was, it seems long now, this whole outline was, you know, three times as long because I just had to, like, get all the, my thoughts on there. I couldn't really, I can't really chunk it, you know? I'm not like, all right, well, I'm going to talk about this and then I'll address this. It's like, I want to talk about this detail, this de detail, this detail, and then see how they kind of fall together into mm. categories. And then I'll make an outline. So, I, I see. Yeah. So, yeah, I really related to that. And that is shitty. <laughs> that well, it's, I also think of like, remember when you were writing papers and we always had to turn in our first paragraph first? Mm -hmm. And that was like our intro paragraph. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to write an intro paragraph when I haven't written the paper yes, yet? Right? I don't know. So, and so my intro paragraph would always be so like generic and like say awful. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to be in the paper. Yeah, right. how can I write an intro to a paper I haven't right. written? And then, so what I would do is I would, yeah, I do the kind of a similar thing. I would write one or two of the, like the meaty paragraphs first, and then I'm like, okay, now I can like have an idea yep. of where my paper's going. And then, so I write my meaty paragraphs, and then I go back and write an intro, yep. turn the intro in. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yep. So we're doing all this like extra work behind the scenes. Just like performatively show our teacher that we're doing what they're asking us to do. I guess for teachers out there, like I don't know what the solution is because you got to well, teach kids how to write. I have paper. some solutions. Oh, you do? Okay, <laughs> I well, do. That's exciting. Yeah. Are we there yet to talk no, about solutions? Okay, not yet. Okay. I got one more little chunk, and then okay. I'm going to talk about some solutions. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. Should have read the outline. No, I told you not to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Let's see. Do I want to do... All right. Actually, I guess I will jump to that part, too, because then I have something else related to this, but it's from a TikTok. So I want to kind of wrap up what Erica says in this great article. So in her article, she also provides some tips for supporting those with bottom-up processing. She says, for autistic people, try to remember you really are doing hashtag life on hard mode with all this stuff. Personally, I have estimated that it can take me 800% of the time it would have taken me to complete a task if I didn't have to go through all the extra and backward steps that I need to go through to learn. This is so validating, right? This is nice. Yeah. So, you know, she put a lot of emphasis on the best way to help yourself as a bottom-up processor is to just acknowledge it and know that that's what's happening. And the world can feel really overwhelming and confusing when it's like, how can I make an assumption or a summary of this information when I have all this detail like floating around in my brain and just knowing that that's what's going on and that it is taking you more time than other people, I feel like is very validating. Yeah, it really is. Because you almost, you're like, God, this is so goddamn validating. Just all Told through you. high school, yep. middle school, yep. school. I remember feeling that exact way when she talked about her dolphin paper. I remember feeling that way. We had to do our animal research papers in like fifth grade I remember we did a poster we had to do i think we had to write a paper or we had to 
We had to do a presentation. We had to do a presentation for sure. I did the Bengal tiger. I remember I wanted to do an axolotl, and the librarian said we didn't have enough books on axolotls, so I had to change my animal. Thanks, axolotl. I know. I was like, "What? This is the library. Come on." Have I shared the story on this podcast yet about Brina? What she said to me about her animal paper? She said that she picked the sloth and made up a bunch of facts about the sloth. <laughs> and someone else in class also picked the sloth. No. And their facts were correct. And she essentially had to like kind of lie to the teacher and it had to be like whose paper is correct. But it was the other kids because she just like made all her facts up. <laughs> I remember I did that on the states. Remember you had to make a map of the of a state you had to pick a state oh yeah i remember i forgot to put in a couple cities of in ohio <laughs> so I, I just made up cities ohio city <laughs> that um, sounds right I, yeah <laughs> apparently there's some pretty famous cities in ohio i don't know them but i made up some did you get in trouble um i think i got points deducted they were like this isn't a real city ohio city i was like missing a co- you needed like six cities i think i had like two I was like, here's the city. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just guess. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So then in her article, Erica says, for teachers and professors to help with this different learning style, she says, learn about top-down and bottom-up processing, which you have just done with this episode, hopefully. Okay. Check. Yep. You can make two versions of assignments and allow students to self-reflect into the one that makes sense to them. Help students learn about themselves for this, and you'll be helping them and you. For bottom-up thinkers, you will start by rummaging through facts and archives, and your first goal is to identify main categories or buckets into which you sort your growing collection of facts. That's a good way to think of it, like buckets of growing collection of facts. Facts bucket. Yeah. And instead of having to, like, come up with, like, strict categories and outlines, it's just like, you know, you throw them into the The general buckets. Yeah. Yeah. you thought dump into your buckets. That's always my note cards. And then you sort through the buckets. Yeah, that makes sense. She says, does this sound like the way you want to begin? If so, then choose this adventure. And that's a good way to think of it, too. I feel like because autism also comes with this problem of we need, we feel this need to pick the absolute best, most perfect right answer. And I feel like that's a big problem for me, too. When I'm trying to outline something, I'm like, I want to talk about it in the best possible way. And it's so hard for me to just like pick a direction and go with it. So I'm like, but what if the facts don't support yeah. it? What if my facts, you know, what summarize if, something else? Yeah. What if I'm interested in something else at that time? Like, yes, yeah. I know I'm supposed to talk about like bottlenose dolphins, but now I'm on to pink dolphins in the fresh waters of South America. That's where the pink dolphins live, right? I don't know. You're the one doing this research Shit. paper on pink dolphins. Well, I'll get back to you on You got to do your research. I will get back to you on yeah. pink dolphins. So I like that suggestion, though, that you kind of, you know, identify main categories of buckets and sort your growing collection of facts. And then you kind of figure out, does this sound like how you want to begin? And then choose that adventure. I like yeah phrasing instead of like, you have to pick the best possible way to summarize this information. It's kind of like pick an avenue and go with it. I think we autistic people could be told that a lot more often, you know, in a kind way. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It doesn't have to be the absolute most important way you know it doesn't have to be the 100 percent best way and you've analyzed every single option and this is the absolute best option just like pick one pick away all right so then for top down thinkers you will start with a main topic and your first goal will be to come up with the subtopics under that main topic which you will then use to guide your collecting of facts 
Does this sound like the way you want to begin? If so, then choose your adventure. So that's like what we talked about is the standard way where right. you kind of think of what are some tops, what are some topics I want to cover under this one. Then you find your research to support it. Blah, blah, blah. That does sound like a more efficient way to do it. Yeah, it, it definitely. Rather, <laughs> you could yeah. start by rummaging through a sea of facts, yeah. collect every fact there every is, every single fact, and then organize them into buckets. Then whittle or, them down. Yeah, yeah, whittle them down and figure out your buckets. Or you could come up with one topic and a couple other semi-related topics. Yeah, find research that supports yeah. that topic. Yeah. yeah, you don't need all the facts. <laughs> But <laughs> I like again, the rummaging. Yeah, I like the rummaging. I like that's it. what it feels like. So she says, I'm not suggesting that you chuck all your regular assignments because the dolphin outline is useful for top-down thinkers, which is most students. You might keep it, you might keep it as an option for them, but it's absolutely useless at that point in the process for bottom-up thinkers, creating a ton of additional burden, which is solely performative. Performative, yes, performative. It's truly just us performing what the teacher wants to see, even though it's not the best way for us to learn. She says, you need to rethink what you intend to measure with your assessments and what you want students to actually learn through your assignments. Think through your assignments for both top-down and bottom-up thinkers with your learning objectives in mind and try to do right by students and, in general, remove barriers. Oh. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, so I thought that was nice. That was. I like when articles have solutions yeah and she's not saying that you have to like totally come up with a brand new assignment because i you know teachers have to do enough work and bullshit as it is but it's essentially just a very easy way to shift that assignment where you're just reversing the process it's just it's more inclusive too right like you're not cares how they do it yeah it's you're not dismissing the top-down thinkers yeah you're just including the bottom up exactly that's a good way to put it yeah, and like, who cares if I collect my info first and then make an outline, or if I make my outline and then collect my info? Like, they're both right. valid ways of doing it. In the end, you get an outline. Exactly. You have information, you have, you know, a paper written, and you have an outline. It, The process doesn't really matter. So I also found a great TikTok talking about how this, like, detail-oriented, bottom-up way of thinking can play out in the real world and cause us problems. Because I know we've been talking a lot about what's happening in the brain, and I feel like it's really helpful to, like, give examples of what this looks like and, yeah. like, how it can get us in trouble. Let's do it. So, essentially, the autistic brain doesn't really group things together and store that information in the brain under, like, big categories. It stores pieces of information as individual pieces of information, which really ties into that whole the autistic brain processes 42% more information than the holistic brain study that I talked about a while ago. So it's not efficient, but it is detail-oriented. <laughs> so this guy, Professor Sol, who is an autism and ADHD coach on TikTok, has a video about rumination, Ooh. which I thought was really interesting. And he says that rumination tends to be so much harder for autistics than for allistics because we don't group things under one label so that we can file it away and not think about it any longer. So, like, for example, if there's a conflict, like let's say you had a fight with someone, the autistic person feels like each and every part of the conflict needs to be addressed. Like we have to share every single detail and every connection we make in relation to this problem as if we're collecting puzzle pieces to put together in order to understand the conflict as a whole and find solutions. This tends to lead us to ruminate much more over every little detail oh. and we get really caught up on them and we can't just let stuff go because there's always like more and more to process, more to ruminate on. Like there's always all these, like we said, there's always more information that you can collect. Yes. There's always more details that I can like ruminate on. Right. 
Even if the outcome's the same. Yes. Right? Like, so, if you get in a fight with your partner, a discussion, an yeah. argument, a disagreement. Yes. Whatever you want to call it. And, like, your feels get hurt. You know, in the end, you know, your feelings are hurt and you're upset. Ah, no, that's a bad example. Well, so I have a- I have an example as the of what the holistic brain does on the other hand. Okay. Which maybe this will help you yeah. kind of conceptualize yeah. it. So for the holistic brain... It has, it's grouped all of these details into one thing, quote unquote, the incident, which can then be dismissed as a whole because they've grouped all of these little parts into one big category and then they can process that as like one big group and they can address it and they can like move on from it. No. There's not all these little pieces that like, oh wait, and there's one more thing I need to talk about and there's one more thing I need to process and there's there's one more thing that could lead us to a solution. When you have an argument, it's usually because... Of a lot of little things happen sometimes. Yeah. At least with me, it usually is. Yep. Same. Instead of one big thing, you know. But I think for the holistic brain, it groups all of those little things into one big thing where they're kind of, pro- they're able to process this argument as like the argument. And once they've like talked it through, then they're able to like move on from it. They're able to just like group all of those little details into one tab tabby oh. in their brain and they can just like close that tab after Think of the piece oh, i know man. can you imagine could you d- uh, just be like yep and we're done whereas my brain is like i can pull up this tab i can pull up that tab i can pull up this tab like feel I like all these group- tabs are interconnected like yes, they're, all, they're all separate they're separate but they're connected yes that's a good way to put right? it right but then this tab's also connected to this other issue so yep. should we bring in all those other tabs that are also connected to this one tab yep. which is connected to the other tabs which are all under this other issue this exactly. bigger tab exactly it's a web and we can't just close it down into one tab yeah because you close your whole brain on. down yeah because there's too there's too many tabs. There's too many details. Too many tabs. Too many tabs. How many tabs do you have open on your computer at one time? We've already talked about this. Yeah. I, I usually... have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I only have four right now, but that's because oh. I close them down before we record oh. on my computer. It's usually like twelve. Yeah. Um poll question. Poll question. So <laughs> <laughs> back to tabs. Yes, back to tabs. <laughs> All right. So you can see like why. Rumination is such a big problem for autistic brains specifically because we're not able to just group it all together. So then I feel like all I do is think, but it's always about the wrong things. Yeah. Or I'm just like thinking about this thing over and over and it's almost like I'm trying to find a solution for it. You know, sometimes there's not a solution. We're trying to like recognize the pattern. I'm always trying to like figure out a pattern to something. And it requires holding a lot of different pieces of information in your brain and trying to find the connections. As opposed to just, like, summarizing it in your brain and closing out that tab. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? If we that? Right? Great. Just close. Just, like, boop. Yeah. And we're done. Yeah. Done processing that. We can just yep. wipe it away. Let's no need to keep on. ruminating. All right. So then the way that this can play out in the workplace is, let's say you start a new job. Okay. And this, I feel like, will illuminate a lot of things. Okay. An holistic will explain your duties to you with this grouping mentality. So for them, all of those details fall under more general categories of tasks, and they don't feel the need to explain the details because they think it's implied by the label, as if we all have this grouping in our brains, and when they tell you how to do this task more generally, they assume it's implied by this label that you're going to have all those little, you know, sub-tabbies that are going to open 
in your brain and you're going to just know all the little sub tabs. No, that's why you need need training. What the shit? For autistic brains, those details are not implied. They are stored as individual pieces of information and we need to have them laid out for us explicitly. And this leads to a lot of holistics thinking we're being smart asses or we're stupid when we ask a lot of questions and we ask for more specific detailed instructions. But when we don't ask for explicit details, we often get them wrong because we can't just assume what they are and that's not how our brain files work. So truly, you know, when an holistic person explains something to you, it can, I feel like it feels so vague and that's why we have a million questions because they assume that you'll go from vagueness to specificity. We need to go from specificity to vagueness. And so it's not just them being ignorant. They truly, that's how their brains work. They don't understand that that's not how our brains work. They just assume when I say mop the floors, you're going to know all the details of where the mop is, what bucket you use, what soap you use, when you do it, what order you do it in, how you wring it out, where you dump the bucket. Like they just assume that you're just going to like be able to intuit that stuff. But we don't. We just hear mop the floors. I'm like, well, there's a fucking million details in there in a million ways I could do that differently than what you're expecting. But they don't think to provide those details. They just assume you'll know. And that can get us in a lot of trouble yeah. because when they assume we know, we either ask questions and we're annoying and we yeah. need too much detail or we don't ask questions and they just say, you know, just do it the way that you would do it. So we do it the way we would do it and then it's wrong because we're not coming up with the same details that they're coming up with. This makes so much sense. Right? Ah. And it gets us in trouble and people think we're like being smart asses. Or dumb. Yes. Or Amelia Bedelia, where it's yeah. like, well, well, that's what you said. So I just did it the way that you I said it. I literally like, did well, it not, ha- exactly not like how you said it. That's not what I meant. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, then you should have fucking said it. You should have said what you meant and not what you're implying. Yes. But once again, it's a problem of them just like not even being able to conceptualize that we don't have all those sub tabs. So we need very explicit direction. We're not going to imply things. We can't imply things. We can, but there are a lot of areas where we can't or we don't, you know? And so if you, like your example, a little while ago, we were talking about, you know, a nurse told you to like hang, hang something the bags. up. Yeah. That's so exactly you, what I was thinking yes, of. And so, so you like, hung the bags. I hung the bags, but I didn't hang them the way she wanted them to be hung. Yes. Because you just assumed she would have said that if she wanted yeah. more detail. She, she wanted me to take the it. bags out and put them in a different bagging container, a different bag. Yeah. Take the bags out of the, the plastic bag and put them in the fabric de- bag that's hanging on the door. In the end, bags were up on the door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But they weren't the way that she wanted them to be. Yeah. And, and then people think you're like being stupid. Yeah. Or you're being yeah, lazy. Yeah, she definitely thought I was being the lazy. stupidest person there. And I was like, you literally just said hang the bags. And she's like, well, that's not how we do it. And I was like, okay, well, then you need You should have fucking said it. Just If you just told me to, like, just... Even if she said it differently than what she said, she said, go hang the bags. And I go, okay. And if she said, oh, can you put the gowns in the, like, green bagging thing mm. or whatever. Just if, you, if she just, like, reworded it to, so it was a little bit more... Um, detailed, it would have been fine. Yeah. But she didn't, and then I looked like a huge... It was apparently my fault that I looked like a big old (laughs) dummy because I did exactly what she said, which was hang the bags. Yes. Hang the bag of bags. (laughs) And it makes us look rude or dumb or lazy. 
Like in that episode, we also had talked about the whole thing where someone said, oh, will you go check on the laundry? Like, is it done? Oh, you just yeah. come back up and you say, yeah, it's done. And they said, well, did you switch it over? No. It's like, no, you didn't say that. But then they think you're being lazy right. and selfish. But it's like, if you, I would have gladly done it, but you didn't give me explicit instructions. I'm not just going to like, because what if you, what if you need to take sweaters out? What if right. you didn't want to dry it right that second? I don't know how second. your like, laundry is done. It's different. And I feel like. Maybe if, you want it on high heat. Maybe you're a medium person. Exactly. I feel like if we don't guess the implication, then people think that we're like being a smart ass or we or being lazy and if we do guess the implication we are often wrong and i'm so worried about doing something wrong that i'm like i don't want to ask yet another question but i feel like whatever i guess is going to be wrong and then i'm like i just i guess i'll just make a decision and i'll right. just do it this is how i would do it and i guess and then it's fucking wrong right. and then i like get in trouble or if you ask a question you're like oh i can go check do you want me to switch it over and they'll be like well yeah of course yeah That's why exactly. i'm asking and you're like you didn't you didn't ask to switch it over. You asked to see if it was done. And then they think you're like being a smart ass. You're like, Ma! it's like, well, you should have just known. It's like, well, I didn't. So guess we're at a standstill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one last little bit from this guy's TikTok. Um, he was saying that this rumination problem and this bottom up thinking also plays out in more RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria, oh, which makes sense because we ruminate of the rejection. Yes. And we ruminate on every little detail. And also because of trauma, we're trying to use those details to, like, figure out why this misunderstanding or this rejection happened. It's like we're trying to, like, learn the pattern so that we can avoid this discomfort in the future. Yes. But oftentimes, for conflicts with allistics, there isn't a pattern to the behavior that makes sense to us because they're just walking around implying things and assuming things. And it, that's not how our brains work. So we're trying to, like, guess the pattern of what they mean or what they're implying, and we can't because it doesn't come naturally to us. So I feel like we're always, tr like, ruminating on conflicts. We're trying to c put all these details together to figure out, like, why this conflict happens. But because it's nonsensical to us, it just leaves us feeling very confused and afraid to make the same mistake again, but not knowing how to avoid it. So we're always walking this. around assuming like knowing that we're missing stuff, but it's like, but I don't know what I'm missing. I'm just always worried I'm missing stuff. And there's no way for my pattern recognition to even help me because your patterns don't make sense to my brain. So there's no way to even predict their behavior because it's like, who could have fucking foreseen that? Who could have foreseen this problem? <laughs> you asked me to check the laundry and say, is it done? That seems like a very in explicit instruction. Yes or no. Yes, it's done. No, it's not. End of conversation. So those are things I wouldn't even guess I'm getting wrong. Because my brain is just not thinking that that's a pattern. So it's just, I feel like it leaves us perpetually, like, afraid that we're going to get in trouble or that we're always going to make a mistake. And we do a lot of times. Yeah. Stressful. It's so I'm stressed just hearing about it. Right? So we provide some, um, some tips for what to do in the education system to help these bottom-up processors. But I wanted to add a little bit about what you can do in the workplace in terms of like bosses supporting autistic people or like supporting Ooh, your coworkers, yeah, knowing that they have this different way of processing. Yeah. So my tip would be provide all of those little details that someone asks for. Be very explicit and don't take it personally. If you are a top-down processor, I also feel like just in neurotypical society, asking questions is seen as a sign of like disrespect. 
like you're coming for their power or their authority. Right, or you're, like you're a, bothersome. It's like, like a power play. Like they don't ask questions to receive information. They ask questions to like make you feel stupid, you know? Like, oh, yeah. why'd you do it that way? Like from a neurotypical, that would be like judgy. Like why, why'd you do it that way? They don't want an explanation. They're trying to make you feel dumb for doing yes. it that way if an if an autistic person asks why do you do it that way they truly want to know tell me the reasoning for why See, you did it that and way. i'm always the one who's got the benefit of the doubt they're like oh they want to know more about my process when they're actually being rude and mm. i'm like well you see here here's my 10-step process we'll start yes. with step one and once again and, people think we're being smart asses because they're not asking the question <laughs> for an answer like saying why were you late they don't want your answer they don't want to know that your car broke down they want you to say sorry unless you get a weird story Yes, unless you have a weird story. But even then, I don't think they want to hear it. If they're a person of authority above you, they're not asking for an answer. They're asking to imply you are wrong and bad and you should apologize for this. They don't want They don't care. They don't care about the backstory. I feel like they should. I feel like they should, too. And I want to know. They think that we're making up excuses. It's like you asked a question. Now you're mad that I'm answering the question. But questions don't actually mean what they're asking. It's so confusing. That is very confusing. I, I don't, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. It's very confusing. So in the office, I would say if you are this top down processor and someone asks you for like very explicit details, like don't take it personally. They're not trying to be a smart ass. They're not trying to question your intelligence. It's not a power play. They're not trying to like take your position in the company. They simply. I'm taken over by asking very explicit questions. Why'd you do it that way, Karen? Yeah, <laughs> they're not trying to power play you. They simply are not making the assumptions that you are, and they genuinely want to know why did you do something that way or give me the details of how you do this thing. Even if you think the details would be crazy to like list out, that is often what the autistic brain needs. I need to know every single step within a step. You know, I need to know, yeah. like the mop example, I need to know where is the bucket? Where is the soap? How much soap do I pour in? What? Where do you guys normally put the bucket after you're done? Like all of those little things I need to have spelled out for me. Otherwise, I will guess and I will be wrong and then I will feel shame. <laughs> um, and also, I would say if you don't provide people, if you don't provide autistic people with enough detail, don't be surprised if they do things differently than the way you wanted it done. Be explicit if you want it done a specific way. Yeah. Like, if you tell feel, someone, like, just do it the way you would normally do it, don't be upset if they do it the way that they would normally do it. Right. If it's different than how you wanted it done. And I guess the other thing is, like, in the end, do you have a similar working result, you know? If it's done a little bit mm. differently, but it's still a clean floor, like, does it really fucking matter if they used Mop A instead of Mop B? That's a good point. You know? Because I feel like autism gets a bad rap for us being very rigid but i also think that holistic people can be rigid in, in judging us for doing something in a different way right like the whole outline before the research versus the research before the right. outline those are right. just two different ways to get to the same conclusion but often our way is like judged as being bad for some reason even though you get to the right. same conclusion right well like with like like christopher and this is too autistics trying to figure out how to rake all these leaves. I know I keep talking about the leaves, but he has a specific way of doing it where he wants to mulch the leaves. That's why he mulches the leaves to chop them down in little tiny bits. And then he bags them and then we can either use them for the garden or we have to throw them out because we have so many leaves. Mm. 
and it takes them a longer time, I get frustrated because I'm just like, let's go <laughs> get these leaves. In the end, we both have bags of leaves mm. and the result is the same. Yeah, I feel like for holistic people, often they can be rigid about how things are done because this is just the way things are done. Oh, this my is God, the I expectation and this is how things are meant to be done. Because someone a hundred years ago decided this is how it's done. This and now is how it's done. We've all decided how it will always yes. be. Whereas for autistic brains, a lot of us, it's like, this is the way I'm doing things because I've thought about every single possible scenario and every detail of this problem. And I have, through my pattern recognition, come up with either the, it's not, it's not even usually the most efficient, but for, there's a reason why we're doing it a right. very specific way that we have deduced based on all these little details. Of right. How Maybe they'll like, bypass a problem that you yes. had to correct you know that's, yeah I or see a that sensory a problem right i see that a lot with christopher he's always you know has these ideas he's one of them thinking people hmm. and and sometimes i am uh rushing hmm. or i just want to get the thing done and he has an idea on how to do it more efficiently or to bypass a problem that I would have to correct later, but I'm too busy doing the thing mm. that I don't see this because I'm trying to just get it done. Yeah. Um, and I think I need to practice more patience with that. Yeah. Because That's I think good he's a good lesson. thinker and he's got one of them good brains. Well, yeah. And... And you do too, Grace. You do. You're you're a thinking person. Well, I'm a thinking person, but it, person I get with... in my own way a lot because I'm doing <laughs> too much thinking, and it's like, all right, you just need to start. You just need to do it. Yes. And I can't finish things because there's always more to do. I feel like there's I just can't more wrap, think about. wrap things up. It's hard for me to even do an episode like this because I'm like, well, there's so much more I could say. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt with like imposter syndrome. I was like, there's so much I could talk about, which is one why we split into two, but. There's so much you can talk about. There's so many avenues you can go down. You can, and it's just, I was just having such a hard time writing it because I just was, there's so many different avenues. And then mm. in the end, we figured it out. And I thought it was a really good episode. It makes me think of grocery shopping because Ian oh. is allistic and I am autistic. And when we do grocery shopping, I do not like doing grocery shopping. So I want to just get it all done at once and do as much as I possibly can all in one go. I want to get as many groceries as I possibly can for the foreseeable future, mm -hmm. which often involves coming up with two weeks worth of like meal plans of like, what are we going to do for dinner for the next two weeks? What are we going to do for this? Trying to foresee every single scenario that will play out and trying to come up with everything we're going to need in the next two weeks. Ian is like, I'll buy groceries for today, then tomorrow I'll figure it out. <laughs> and I am like, I hate that. That Christopher used to be like that. He's getting better. Yeah. He's, and also now exclusively does the grocery shopping. Because when I go grocery shopping, I go in with the mindset of like, okay, I've got a vague idea of what I want to make for meals. Mm. And then I get into the store. I panic. Yep. Because it's overwhelming. There's lots of colors. That's why you need a plan. Um, well, I have a plan, but the plan goes out the window because I just a detailed get plan. really overwhelmed. I, you know, grab a bunch of stuff that I'm like, we could throw something together with this. No. It never works. See, I used I, to do that. Yeah. And now I don't. I'm so overwhelmed. It's too overwhelming. I buy all these, like, things. I'm like, maybe we could use this. Maybe we could use that. Maybe we could do something with this. 
So that's you gathering all the resources yeah. and then you'll whittle it down later. Yeah, later. It's a problem for me later. Yeah. <laughs> it's a later problem. It's a later problem. I'm just gathering right now. Yes. Hunter gatherer right here. You are. <laughs> and I used to do that, but I got so overwhelmed by the then whittling it down process and it leads to a lot of food waste. It, and so yeah. I've now gone the opposite way where I have to try to come up with that outline using all my details. And it's like I have to come up with every single possible little detail of every meal that we're going to need to eat. And I get in my own way. Sometimes you do need the Ian approach of like, let's just go to the fucking store. Yeah. Let's get dinner for tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. And we'll figure the rest and out. And honestly, sometimes uh, that's a great way of going about it. Yeah. You know, it's so over. Grocery shopping is so overwhelming yes. sometimes. And that does lead to less food waste. It's more time consuming. Yeah. But. I feel like maybe I'll have to talk to Christopher about that because maybe we need to just be a twice a week grocery haul people. See, I always say that and then I don't do it because it takes so much work to get order, myself to do it. Out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's a lot of decisions as well. It yeah. leads to like decision paralysis, you know? Sometimes we'll go, it's like we should have gotten groceries a week ago, but I could not make up my mind about what meals to have and what details to order. So we just like don't get groceries. Yeah. Right now I've been like just eating the same foods but yeah. now I'm getting burnt out on those foods and I can see it. And I'm that. like, no, I hate that. No, now I have to get different foods. And I just figured out a system because sometimes my meds, if I don't take them with food, I get really nauseous. So I need to make sure that I'm eating breakfast, but I'm never hungry in the morning. So when do I take my pills? I don't know. It's very, it's, I'm, I'm having like such a, so stressed about when is a good time. Did I eat enough? Did I not eat enough? Have I drank enough water? Is this a good time? Is now a good time? I'm going to regret this later. I don't know. And this is the analysis that makes the autistic brain so exhausting. I was realizing the other day, Ian was going up to Quality Shop and he was getting us lunch and he asked, he was about to walk out the door and he asked me if I wanted a drink. And I just stood there like slack jawed staring at the wall. And I'm sure he was like, hello, did you hear me? <laughs> but in my brain, my brain was going so fast. I was like, okay, I got a chicken parm. It's 1 p.m. Do I want a caffeine drink? Is it too late to have a caffeine drink? Do I want to have a fun drink like a soda? What should I pair with my chicken parm? All right, I'm also going to get chips. So my mouth is going to be a little salty. Like I just had this whole yeah, process you're for thinking, deciding yes, buffering. what drink to get. But to him, it just looked like I was just standing there staring. <laughs> but in my head, it was like I had to go through the whole fucking gambit right. of like, what drink do I want? What did, what did you order? Uh, I think I got a Diet Pepsi. Nice. I had to decide, do you want like a Pepsi. fun, healthier drink, like a iced tea? Or do you want like a fun, like guilty pleasure drink, like a Pepsi, Diet mm. Pepsi? You know, and then I also, when it comes to caffeine, and then I have to make that analysis of like, is it too late in the day to have the certain drink? Uh, I could only, ha you know, I could get it and drink, you know, just half of the drink. You but, get decaf. Ew, what's the point? Why would I do that? I, I'm just going to get a fun drink. I like the taste of coffee when it's good coffee. I don't like the taste of coffee in any capacity. Oh. Well, here's that. And on that note, yeah. that is the end of my top down versus bottom up oh. thinking. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's a terrible way to end it. Well, that's how we're ending uh, it. <laughs> it was a lot, and I hope I didn't confuse you guys. I hope I I hope you're able to like summarize what I just word vomited at you and come up with a conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I learned a lot this episode. I really had no idea what this was. I came into it raw. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Yeah, I feel like once you explain it, it's like, oh yeah, that's a pretty simple con concept. But the ways it plays out in real life, 
have big implications. And I feel like it's really important to know what type you are and then, like, be aware of that as you're moving through the world. Right. And maybe, you know, if you're stuck, maybe go to the other type of thinker. Yeah. Get your, gather your resources. Yeah. You know, and those can be people. It's good to have different brains. Yeah. And you could say, here's all my information. Will you help me, like, summarize it or put it into categories? Right. Or like, this is, what be I, nice? yeah, or this is what I was thinking. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And I, then they just have a different way of approaching it. I do feel like AI can be helpful for that. I've seen some people talk about how they will have AI help them make an outline of how do I talk about this topic. And then they can collect the details within that. Uh, like if they're a bottom-up processor, they'll ask the AI to make the general outline to help them kind of organize their thoughts. And then you can go from there. But I feel like that really leads into the problem of like not knowing where to start so you don't get started like that's my big problem is there's so many details and i just don't know where to start i don't know how to start there's always more to learn before i can get started so i just like don't get started yeah i guess if i'm researching a subject like for this episode what i usually go i go just a simple like wikipedia search even if it's Mm. something silly like um a bird species or something just get they have a really brief outline of like, here's a bird. It lives in North America. And you're like, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Maybe they have a fun fact. And then as it's like just getting your toes wet so you mm. can kind of like jump into that research mode. Yeah, that's true. Wikipedia does do a good job of outlining different categories. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, this is more interesting. Maybe I should go down this rabbit hole. Just mm. like, you know, not for like facts, but like just getting kind of getting your mind wrapped it's like wrapping around the topic yeah it's like i need to be able to wrap my mind fully around every aspect of this topic before i can dive into it yeah and 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 also yeah getting your brain like ready to dive into it you know you're adjusting to the water temperature because then as you're like gathering all these little details i feel like it does give you more structure to be able to help you categorize it because we can't naturally categorize it so as I'm gathering my details, I'm like, all right, I can put this under that category. Right. But it's just making that general outline is so difficult that I need someone else to like do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a better way to end it. Yeah. That is a better. That's way better. Yeah. Then yeah. I don't like coffee. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find all of the resources in the show notes below if you want to read a bit more about that. Um, If you have had some thoughts about what type of processor you are, let us know. You can reach out to us at weirdsofafeather at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at weirdsofafeather. You can join our Facebook group, Weirds of a Feather. If you have any, like, I would love to hear about if you have any stories from your life where top, down, bottom, up, thinkers unite to solve a problem yeah that's that a good would point be, that would be the heartwarming story of the year yeah we'll make a christmas carol about it or something <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah if you have like a dynamic duo when where one person right. is one and that's one the superhero the duo i want to see yeah i feel like there's got to be top down and out there. bottoms up boy Can unite <laughs> together <laughs> top down man and bottoms up boy <laughs> we could write it we could we, we could totally write, write it, it. Into a Christmas carol? I guess. Uh, yeah, we, they could have a, a Christmas episode, a holiday episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you, yeah, if you have any like dynamic duo, mm. team group stories, um, let us know at weirdasfeather at gmail.com. Yeah. That'd be heartwarming to hear. Sure. And maybe we'll share it on the show. I'm also curious about 
ADHDers, like where they fall into this, like ADHD, if you're just an ADHDer, you're considered allistic. But also, like I said, I couldn't find like conclusive research. Part of it is that, you know, there's so many ADHDers out there who are also autistic and don't even realize it. So yep. I feel like research on this topic is really hard to say, you know, you're if you're autistic, you're exclusively this. And if you're allistic, you're exclusively this. Yeah. So if you're ADHD and you don't think you're autistic, I want to hear from you and hear what you are. Like Ian, I'm pretty positive is just ADHD. And he's definitely top down thinker. Like he can see the whole big picture and then he'll fill in details. Uh. And I am so the opposite. And it really does lead you to are the conflicts. You're the dynamic duo. We in are, the worst except way. Yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it just leads to a lot of disagreements because yeah. it's like, why aren't you seeing it the way I'm seeing it? <laughs> but maybe we can both work on understanding each other's brains and working together. And Aww. he can help me summarize my details. And I can give him more details when I feel like he's missing them. We will be this Christmas Carol dynamic duo yeah. that <laughs> I'm all the stories are about. It. Yeah. About it. So, yeah, I think that's it. And we're going to end with bod. Ooh. Yeah. I want your bod. Nice bod. All right. This episode's bod is the northern barred owl. A barn owl? No. It's different. It's different. Barred. B-A-R-R-E-D. Very confusing. Like disbarred, like a lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're out of here. You're out of here. You're off but the bar. But just barred. Yes. He's been barred, so he, he, he is, is a lawyer. He's a practicing lawyer. Yeah. Yes. The northern barred owl. Uh, known for his legalities. Yes. <laughs> Reach out to him for your divorce <laughs> proceedings. Um, so here's a little fact about the barred owl, and then I will play you their ridiculous bird call. Okay. The barred owl, also known as the northern barred owl, striped owl, or more informally, the hoot owl or eight hooter owl. <laughs> Aren't all owls hoot owls? They all hoot. They don't all hoot. And they're not all eight hooters. I, I don't know what that I, means. <laughs> is a north is a North American large species of owl. What is what is an eight hooter? I don't know. Look at that eight hooter. That is at least a six to eight hooter. <laughs> They are largely native to eastern North America, but have expanded their range to the west coast of of North America, where they are considered invasive. So they're also on the west coast, but they are invasive. And my fun fact is that a bar invasive on the west coast. Yes, they're native. They're native to eastern North America, but they've expanded their range to the west coast, where they are considered invasive. I so they're supposed to be here. They're not supposed to be over there. Get them out of there. They got to be disbarred from the West yeah, Coast. Yeah, disbarred. <laughs> Send them back east. All right. And my fun fact is a barred owl's right ear is higher than its left ear, which helps it pinpoint the location of prey. Whoa. Yeah. Echolocation, kind of? Kind of, yeah. Kind of. All right. Let's All right. hear that bird call. Okay. From a link called Five Ridiculous Bird Calls Guaranteed to Make You Laugh. Ah. Oh, oh, it's hooting, hooting, hollering. Go ahead. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> that was good. Will you do it again? I need an example. Oh, you need it. Yeah. <laughs> they go into this like deep throated. He sounds guttural. like he's like trying to get into like a hot tub or something. Ooh, 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 ooh